I'm Kirby Falk, and this is the Kirby Method Podcast. This is the podcast for former athletes looking for something they love as much as their sport, whether it be a career, hobby, side gig, or new exercise routine. This is the Kirby Method Podcast, and I'm your host, Kirby. Hi team, so glad you could join us today. I'm super excited because today I have the opportunity to speak with Liz Mills, a former rower at Brown. Liz, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Okay, let's jump in. Can you give us a quick backstory of your athletic career? Yeah, well first of all I was not a rower, I was a coxswain. But it's, you know, worth uh, pointing that out because I think think that's like slightly a different experience because it means that, um, so starting in high school, I was joined uh, my high school's rowing team and continued to do that at Brown, um, which is like a D1 rowing program. So kind of like a pretty intense experience. And the coxswain is the person um, on the rowing team that like steers the boat and like quarterbacks and coaches and motivates. Um, And so it's like a really unique role. Um, and I like, it was my element. It was like so fun to be that integral in like helping motivate teammates and like form really strong bonds. Um, and it culminated in us winning NCAAs in 2011. And that was, (laughs) and that was like hands down the highlight of my life, like the happiest day I've ever had. Um, like the feeling of like seeing the points flash up and, um, realized we had won by like in a tiebreaker, uh, like an emotion that like I will like want to recapture for the rest of my life. Um, and so obviously coxing is not something you can do in real life <laughs> as an actual coxswain. <laughs> or like, can you? Fi- yeah. Finding a boat to get into, it doesn't really make sense. Um, so I'm also a runner. I was always a runner. Um, and so I continue to be. Yes, you do. Which we can talk more about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't imagine how it felt to win. I mean, I think about my athletic career and the highs and the lows, like the emotions are so intense, the euphoria and the lows. And then I never had the opportunity to got the opportunity to to win uh, a championship like that. And I just, I, I mean, I can't even imagine. Yeah. It's interesting because I remember, I mean, there are so many practices and, you know, seasons that are so long and like a lot of tears and lows and highs and losses. And I remember like thinking like very specifically, like every single thing was worth it since high school. Wow. And I just like, it really like, it was so meaningful, like such a big deal to me at the time and continues to be because it just felt like such a culmination. So it's like a pretty special feeling. Well, congratulations. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, good. Well, I want to jump in into our main focus for today. So the big question I want to ask is, you know, what's the biggest challenge you faced in transitioning uh, to life post-sports career? Uh, Yeah, many. I think the biggest one that has, like, impacted a lot of different aspects of my life has been, uh, like, reclaiming that teamwork feeling, like, finding Mm. my team. Um, Because I think a team has a specific feeling to it. You know, it's, like, very supportive. You're working to a collective goal. It's not... um, it's like ambitious in a way that is like really like human. Like it's like, you know, it's like using your body, using your mind, working together. It's not like the same as like working towards like a company IPO. Like it's mm-hmm. just something that's like, so like, um, kind of like pure and like, um, 
like the teamwork is really like the essence of what makes a sports team go. And so like finding like a team in real life, um, is hard. Yes. And this is something I've heard from a lot of different athletes and former athletes that I've spoken with and something that I feel like I've struggled with is what does a team look like in life post-sport and where do you find a team and where do you not find a team? Yeah. Cause I know for me, I had to redefine what team meant for me at work yeah. because I was trying to apply the same definition uh, of a team from playing soccer to my life at work and realizing that that didn't quite translate. And I was actually hurting myself by yeah. doing so. Um, so yeah. So can you talk a little bit about, what that transition has looked like, like some of the realizations that you've had in trying to apply how you thought about it, how, what a team felt like to you um, in college to then what it, like what it looks like or what it doesn't look like now? Yeah, so I think my, um, my like, case is interesting. Like when I think about some of my friends who graduated, a lot of them um, kind of distanced themselves from like intense athletics. They distanced themselves from like, their like crew pass, like they like kind of had like PTSD from like that, like physical trauma for so mm-hmm. many years. And because, um, I was a coxswain, that meant I didn't spend four years or like, you know, all that time in high school and college, um, like physically killing myself. It was like a different type of pressure. Um, that like when I thought about like what, it, like the options were greater for me to think about like finding a team. Cause it didn't just mean I had to find a team at work. It meant that I could think about like how could I use my body and like use sports in a different way to find a team? Mm-hmm. Um, so at work, it's been hard. I've been at um, two different companies since uh, graduating. And I think I found the most um, like joy when I've been working with other athletes. I think like I know I can identify like what a team environment looks like and feels like because it is that same concept of like a small group of people working towards a goal. Um, in this case, like at work, it's like, you know, a company goal, but it's when I like find myself, um, like working aside alongside someone who's like experienced like teamwork, like that approach to working is different. Like I would choose, it's kind of like when people get in the debate about the merits of recruiting someone and they're Mm -hmm. like, well, what if they didn't meet the, um, standard for, um, you know, getting into Harvard? Like if they didn't have the right SAT scores, like what does an athlete bring to the table? Like, I think that all the time where I'm like this person who is like, was a phenomenal, um, like professional swimmer. Like, you know, they, it took them longer to learn sequel than it took like Joe to learn sequel, but like their ability to collaborate and be like humble, like that's like teamwork. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one piece of it that like kind of picking my people and at different jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one, which I feel like we could go into a lot is that like ath- um, athletics still plays an enormous role in my life. Yes. Um, so that's pretty defining. Yeah, so let's talk more about that. So as you think about what a team, what a community like looks like for you in life post-sport, what role does sports and athletics play? Yeah, um, like I spend an enormous amount of my week um, training. And like I use that term like deliberately because like it's not like working out about like, you know, staying like fit or like looking, you know, looking a certain way. Like I'm like training alongside um, like other athletes in like a pretty unique context. Um, and so right like towards the end of college, I started doing marathons cause I like was like, you know, I've been a runner before, like, wouldn't this be a cool challenge? Um, and since starting 
um, I decided, like, let me try to marathon in every state and continent. So I've done 22 so far. Um, wow. And, yeah, and I last year I did drunkenly signed up for an Ironman, which I did and <laughs> wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Um, but in the process of doing that, I ultimately came across um, a gym in San Francisco where um, it's like a cycling studio where you bring your bike and, you know, bike. Which I've had the pleasure of joining you in a Yes, you have. Yes, you have. <laughs> and it's like pretty unique, but what's super cool about it is it's like a woman-owned business, women pro cyclists and triathletes who are the coaches there. And, you know, I went just because I had signed up for this triathlon and needed to train for it. And I ended up finding like this group of people that like were either former athletes, like former college athletes or like currently just like um, weekend warriors who were like were kind of intense. And I was like, I want to be a part of this. And so now before my real job, I work there some days a week at like five in the morning. And That's great. Um, it's changed my like marathon goals from being like finishing to like now I um, I'm like working towards times and have big goals there. Um, so like, like that is, I, I didn't give up sports, you know, like I'm not in a life post sports. And so like, eventually I will hit that wall. And right now I continue to be super, super dependent on the fact that I found another team. I mean, it it sounds to me like you've really been looking for a team in various areas of your life. So if there's team aspects to work, also, like sports, uh, life posts, being a coxswain um, is a huge part of finding a team. It also sounds to me like this is tying into another theme or challenge that I hear about from a lot of people around finding their exercise routine yeah. when they're done with their sports career. Yeah. Can you talk like a little bit about, I guess with rowing, it's a little bit different because as you said, like it's not necessarily, or being a coxswain, like it's not necessarily practical to go find a boat and like do that. And as, although I'm sure there are adults in life post sport that do, but can you talk a little bit about your journey and figuring out, okay, like what do I do now? Uh, now that I'm not a coxswain anymore. And I know you mentioned you, um, you ran too. Yeah. So a coxswain has to like make weight. And so, um, like a specific weight and like, you're supposed to be quite light. And so while I didn't row in like high school and college, I was like mindful of like, you know, running enough and eating mindfully enough to like stay under that weight maximum. Um, and so, you know, like while I said, there's no like rowing trauma, like that was like a really regimented lifestyle for a long time. Um, so something I had to do post-college was like reclaim my love of running. Um, so like running had been something I, for many years, like abused, um, as like a weight loss tool or a weight management tool. And so like that transition of like finding a workout routine meant like, how do I, um, like what does like running, like what is joyful running look like? Um, and I, uh, like, I actually think it was like starting to bike that made me find an exercise routine that felt too, truly, like truly joyful because like biking for me has no baggage. Like I came to San Francisco and it's like the most beautiful place in the world to bike. And my roommate and I, my roommate is like the chillest person ever. And if I'm like kind of intense, like she is just like really mellow. And so she and I would just go on like joy rides together. And like, you know, our first bike ride was like 16 miles. And then like we kept extending. And one day we were like, why don't we bike uh, to uh, Santa Cruz? And like, it was 90 miles. And then we were like, there's a charity bike ride to LA. Why don't we bike 540 miles? Um, And last summer we biked from 
uh, Portland, Oregon to San Francisco. And like, it was traumatic. Like it was seven, <laughs> 750 miles, like so much climbing. We had our, you know, camping stuff with us, but like, it was like the epitome of like something I didn't get to do as an athlete, like in college, just because like college was all about like the result and like biking that long, like under rain and like hills and carrying your stuff. Like that was like metaphorically and seriously, like the journey. Um, and so like, like that's just like a really unique example of like bringing a totally different type of like sport into my life. Yeah. So when you think about biking, how did you initially get into it? It sounds like maybe your roommate was like when I think about other athletes and helping them find different things that they love in life post sport or finding their exercise routine. Uh, I'm always curious, is it about being, you know, open just to try new things and seeing what looks interesting? Like, I'd love to hear more about how you got biking. Yeah. Well, like when I first started biking, I thought like, oh, I came to San Francisco, I'm going to commute. And like, I would fall over at stop signs. Like I was so (laughs) uncoordinated. My roommate now. I have too. I have um, a couple horror stories about that. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like, I think everyone has them in these like train tracks that run throughout San Francisco. It's so easy to get caught in them and you tip over. Um, so, and Natalie said something like funny, which is she was like, what you lack in coordination, you make up and form brute force. So like she and I just kind of like tried it out. And our, when we went out biking, as I said, like we kind of gradually worked our way up. We just like thought it would be fun to try. And like, it was like really kind of like when I then, when I signed up for this triathlon, I had to learn to swim, like same kind of thing. Like I, uh, you know, my girlfriend was a college swimmer and she has like, is on a swim team in San Francisco. And she said, well, why don't you join the swim team? And at that point, like I couldn't swim. Like she had brought me to a pool and was like, why don't you just do 10 laps as a warm up, and then we'll get going with a lesson. And I was like, I can't do one lap. Like that's my workout. <laughs> yep. And so she eventually, you know, convinced me to join her swim team. Cause she's like, you can't do an Ironman two and a half mile swim unless you can like put yourself out there. And so I came and I read on the website, you had to be sw- like, you had to be able to swim a mile and like got into the pool. And it was like one of the scariest things I've ever done. Cause I felt like I was going to drown, but I was like, just Forrest Gump, like just Dory, <laughs> just keep swimming. Like, yeah. just like get out there and like do it. And like, like biking was like fun to get into. Like swimming was horrible, but like the most humbling thing I've ever done. And like such an amazing experience. Incredible to try different things, put yourself out there. sounds like really applying skills you learn as an athlete in terms of not, you know, putting yourself out there knowing you're going to make mistakes, knowing it's going to be really hard, but knowing that you'll figure it out. Yeah. And like when the, like totally different stakes, like when you're doing it, like when I first signed up for this, like Ironman, as I said, like a big mistake, like I started, you know, I started and I was like, you know, just do it to finish. And like, you know, putting that, taking the pressure off and just saying, do it to finish made like allowed me to kind of ease into it. And like, by the time race day came around, I was, you know, racing it. Like I put enough time in that I was ready to like, try to like place high. And like, that was like a gradual transition, but it like was all came from within. Like my roommate, my friends, like they couldn't have cared if I like drowned in the swim. They'd be like, my roommate, like, you know, my friend Liz, like she started an Ironman. Like they could not have cared less how I did. And so it got to entirely come from me. Well, it sounds like a shift in mindset than when you were from when you were competing in college. I know for myself, it's, you're used to being the expert in something, expert in soccer, expert coxswain, whatever it is. And knowing that, no, like winning is the criteria for success, not necessarily like starting or trying, at least that's how I thought about it. Yeah. And so it sounds like there was a real mindset 
shift for you. Oh yeah. 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 And our colleges, I mean, in college, our coaches always said like, you know, it doesn't like, it doesn't matter what you're like in practice. All that matters is like what you do the day the test is given. And so like that could not be more, less wrong, like more wrong mm-hmm. at to, like right now. Cause it's like, why do I get up now? I like, honestly, I mean, it's ridiculous, but I get up at like five in the morning most days to either work at the spike gym and like clean the floors like broad city or to <laughs> like, or train. And that means like biking or swimming, um, in the winter, like before it's light out. And like, I certainly don't do it cause I am like laser focused on race day. Like I do it cause I get to be around like a team of people who are also doing it. And I get to like push my body and like, just like totally like celebrate the fact that I'm like just doing me. Well, and this ties in really well with something I've been thinking a lot about recently, which is, you know, how do we define success for ourselves? And I think for myself during my athletic career, success was very black and white. Mm -hmm. And it was, you have these tangible skill sets uh, that you're playing in soccer, you're getting these wins, you're you're scoring or defending these goals. Uh, You're on a certain track academically uh, to go to a certain job and, and get paid a lot of money and move up the ranks. And what I've been thinking a lot recently about is, well, what is success really to me? Mm-hmm. Like, can you talk a little bit about how how you define success in college while you're an athlete and then how that's sounds like it's shifted now that you're done with your career? Yeah, I think um, like a bad practice in college would ruin my day mm-hmm. and like a bad race, you know, ruin my week. It would be one of those things where like, you know, you'd finish the race, get off the water, and, like, you know, no one would want to talk to each other. And it was, like, if you if you cracked a joke, you'd feel like you were the person who didn't care enough. Um, yep. And so, like, it was really, like, awkward cause it, um, and, like, really intense and not, um, like, you know, it was just a bummer that something, um, something that so many factors could influence a race or a practice. And, like, um, it, you were really out of control of like what your day felt like. And that's why, you know, winning NCAA is like, it was a fluke, like one in a million stars aligned and everything was worth it. But like up until that point, you know, like, you know, it really hadn't been like, it was like success, like, you know, six years to culminate in that win. Like, thank God that happened because that was the ultimate success. But like leading up to that, like there was just like so many bad days. Mm-hmm. Um, and like now, like, I think it's, like, kind of tempting to finish, like, life after, like, you know, being an athlete in, like, a like a serious way and think, like, well, now I've got all this free time and I can do what I want. And, like, what I've realized about myself is, like, like the reason I always committed myself to sports is, like, I love having a full schedule. Like, I love being busy. And so, like, the idea that, like, I need to, fit, like, do whatever, like, the should of, like, you should be, yep. you know, going out to happy hours and, like, staying up late on weekends, like there's a, like, I've never done that. Like, because I love like waking up ready to like see the sunrise in like on a trail run Mm -hmm. or like see the sunrise from my bike and like realizing that like success for me is like filling my like days, like packing them with like joyful moments where I like, like I know just by showing up to a bike ride, like that will be a win, like just showing up and doing it. And before it was like, the bike ride would only be worth it or the run only if it seven days later meant we won the race. So yeah. it's like a very much more like in the moment. So it sounds like 
really identifying what gives you joy and what what you want to do and yeah. understanding that I'm not the type of person who wants to stay up until 2 a.m. every morning or go to all the happy hours. It's getting up early and getting exercise in, but it not necessarily resulting in a win of some sort, but yeah. like really identifying just those activities and things that give me joy. Yeah, exactly. And I think that takes a bit of wayfinding to figure out. I yeah. know it took me a while to figure out. Oh, certainly. And there's, there's some things that just click and some things that you say, oh, I want to continue to try this, but I don't know. Some things that you kind of try out or test out and you're like, nope, not for me. Yeah, and I also think it changed my... Um, like, I think there's so many ways to approach work in a career. And, like, there's, like, a Cheryl Strayed quote. who She's the one who wrote Wild. That's, like, you don't have a career, you have a life. Yep. And, like, not everyone buys into that, but I very much do. Because, like, I had, like, an athletic career. And I know that it was draining. And, like, that there were so many joys around it. But, like, the, you know, that idea of, like, really delayed satisfaction. And, like, that took its toll on me. Mm-hmm. And, like, now I and more micro thinking, which is like, if I'm not like really in, like some people are okay with heads down working for weeks and quarters on end with the understanding that they want their company to like crush it in an IPO. And like, I've learned that if I'm not enjoying the day to day, like that doesn't jive with me. Like I'm not so career driven that I'm okay saying, I'm going to put my head down and do this. Like I want to bring the same like joy that I get from a daily bike ride that I was missing for so many years. Like I'm making, sorry, I'm making athletics sound like totally bad, but it's, it's amazing, but it's like just a totally different approach. Yep. So I've like, I don't want to like have that same like lack of control over my happiness. Um, so yeah. So we're talking a lot about uh, joy and you're talking about how it's important for you to find joy in your everyday and it's not necessarily all about the delayed gratification of working hours and hours on end um, to ha- to see the company through an IPO, for example. Can you talk about how that balances with, you know, there are challenges that come up every day and there are frustrations that come up every day. Like how do you balance, I guess, feeling the joy, but knowing that there are going to be challenges and frustrations that come up? Yeah. Like, like, like life's not going to be all happy and it's not going to be all joyful. Yeah. So I think about it as like separate spheres. So I try to like have balance by having like spheres that don't overlap. So like work, like I can clock out at work at the end of the day because I'm going to a workout and like, I won't be able to, if it's a hard enough workout, I won't be able to think about work. And like when I go home to my like roommate or to my friends or my girlfriend, like, you know, I don't need to tell her. I don't feel the need to tell her the blow by blow about the conversation with my manager because like I can keep those things in silos. Mm -hmm. And what's actually, I guess, kind of contradictory is like, you know, while like running is joyful for me now, like I am working towards specific marathon times and I'm working with a coach. And so like, how do I keep, like, I am thinking about the day to day, but I also have like outside of work, like a, a goal that, you know, there's no external pressure on it. It's just me. But like, I am working, working towards something. So if I get frustrated with the day to day at work, um, I can like think, well, like I'm working towards something else as well. Like I've got many balls in the air that are exciting. Yeah. It sounds like finding balance and knowing that there are going to be frustrations that come up, even the things that we find joyful, but like finding balance among the different spheres or different parts of our lives, whether it's work or working out or time with, with loved ones. Yeah. So I'm curious, I want to circle back a little bit more to the team focus that we were talking about. 
specifically around work. So I'd love to hear more about, like, do you have any examples or stories when you think about when you originally tried to apply this team aspect to work and like what went well and what didn't go well or some of the, your some of your learnings initially around trying to find a team mm-hmm. uh, at work. So when I transitioned to the new job I'm in right now, um, so it was a new company, like initially like I didn't feel that happy there because I was like, you know, like I don't feel like intrinsically drawn to the people I'm working with. Like they're super smart. They're like doing great work, but I don't feel like I'm, and we have great lunch conversations, but I don't feel like these are my people. And our team kind of had some ups and downs and our, um, you know, director of the team left and I ended up becoming great friends with someone, um, who's now become my manager and she and I are the dream team. Like when our team was in transition, like she and I would, she is a kid and she would have bedtime and we come back to the office with a bottle of wine and we workshop until two in the morning or when we were supporting different customers, um, that were like international and we had a 2am call, like we'd stay up together and like, my job like became like something I loved when I found that teammate. And so for me, like the idea of finding like a whole team that like is cohesive, like I don't have that, like, you know, that, you know, I don't have like athletes on my team. I don't have, um, people that I like entirely connect with. There's some, they're all very smart. We're working towards something awesome, but having that like particular person on my team who like, we are like have different skill sets and different interests and like we go to bat for each other. Like that is enough to get me to come to work every day. And like, I actually, I'm in the process of kind of thinking about what I want to do next. And I have been talking in different informational interviews and talking to people. And, you know, there's so many amazing people that I'm meeting, but I walk away and I'm like, wow, like I have something really special back at my current job, not as a whole, not because of what I'm doing, not because of what the company's doing, but because I have a person who's my teammate. And like, you can't find teammates everywhere. So it's like, be choosy, be picky and know that like, you know, they say, don't pick a job by your manager. My philosophy is pick a job by your manager, pick a job by your people, because like, I have always cared about my team. And so like, I need to prioritize that. Yes. And, and it's really important to know what respond or what you respond well to, or what's important to you in a job. And I know you and I overlapped, uh, and work side by side and, uh, Which I is know, an amazing me, experience. It was an amazing experience. And to have that just click like that uh, was like, incredible for me. That was the ultimate teamwork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just down in the trenches together. Yeah. And knowing that, I think it's really great to hear or important to hear that chance, chances of someone finding a whole team like that is pretty slim to none. Uh, if you can find a person on your team or your manager on your team where you can share some of that teamwork with and that experience with, uh, that's where the gold is. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like striving kind of like for like, again, it goes back to like the joyful moments, not like perfection. It's like thinking like this is working really like this particular thing is working really well. It's kind of like, um, like celebrating the little wins. Um, cause that's what life is. It's, it's, it's not about the big wins, like the little, the little things add up to the big things in my opinion now. Absolutely. Yes. 
Great. So when you think about the team focus, we've talked or finding team in life post sport, we've talked a little bit about work and career. We've talked a little bit about uh, exercise. Are there any other areas in your life where you've looked for a team or tried to find a team? Um, I think the other thing that's like worth like bringing out is like um, my, my girlfriend, I said like it's a separate sphere, but really like that's not quite true because she was a college athlete as well. Um, and she continues to be a phenomenal athlete. Like she aspires to like go pro in the triathlon space. Wow. She is like a phenomenal, like, you know, just a really phenomenal teammate. And so like, I happen to be like in love with the teammate, you know, like that's awesome. So like we both have like a similar, like when we go on bike rides together, like the, to have like a partner who like, like an unspoken language of like, oh, we're biking into the wind right now. We'll take turns being up front. Like I have like, I'm incredibly lucky to like care about teamwork so much and also have that like someone, I mean, you can find teamwork without having someone being an athlete, but like for that literal overlap of us knowing like that we care about being on a team and like having that teamwork, um, that's really cool. So it overlaps into like personal life as well. And thinking about, uh, how team, a team can mean different things in different areas of your life and understanding what that actually looks like. Yeah. That's great. Are there any other, uh, challenges in life post-sport or transitioning to life post-sport that you want to talk about? I guess, like, one realistic one is, like, or, like, one obvious one, I think probably for a lot of people is just, like, what does, like, healthy body image look like? Like, I continue, because I am, like, super active, to have, like, an athletic body, and, like, I care about that, and I do wonder, like, eventually the other shoe will drop. Like, I can't always be biking this much, running this much, doing strength this much. And so, like, I haven't fully had to, like, do that. But I do know that, like, in moments where I've been less fit, it's been upsetting to me. Just because my, like, normal is, like, very, like, my, how I learned what a body should look like was, like, surrounded by athletes. And that's not to say, like, skinny or, like, super buff. It's just a specific, you know, just, like, like, strong. Mm -hmm. Like, strong can look, like, so many different ways. And I really care about that. So, like, figuring out, like, how to, you know, not, like, to fuel in a way or like eat in a way that's, um, like find intuitive eating after being a coxswain and find like what a norm, like what is a realistic body type after being a coxswain? Like that's hard. That's really hard. It's something I've really struggled with. Yeah. And I find that, uh, I'd constantly compare myself to my, I guess like peak performance body when I was like 22 playing yeah. pro soccer. Yeah. <laughs> and like that's not realistic and basically you know as an athlete I was like overriding my body's natural state by exercising a lot yeah and it can be really hard because then that becomes that body image becomes your definition of success yeah. and then you're you're always going to fail against that yeah because I no longer have time <laughs> to work out three or four hours a day nor that's not sustainable yeah um So how have, how have your thoughts, I guess, have you, have you seen any change in your thoughts around body image? I know you mentioned that it's still waiting for the other shoe to drop, but have you had to make some adjustments? Yeah. Well, like, as I said, like a coxswain is someone who's like expected to be at like a specific and very small weight. And so like I had an eating disorder, 
Um, and so like, I think anyone who's had an eating disorder or even been on that spectrum knows that that's like a lifelong recovery process. Um, but, um, what I mean about the other shoe dropping is I mean, like I have like, what is the ability to, um, like, what is a way to get over thinking you have to be super skinny or control everything you eat? Well, one way is just think my body as opposed to being thin is going to be strong. And so my body is like something does like really powerful things. And that's exciting. And like, I think the other shoe to drop means like, what if I get so busy that I don't have time to do these big bike rides or don't have time to run? And my body um, changes again to something that is like, you know, doesn't have the same like strength to it. Then I'll have to grapple with like yet another change where I can't like, there's not the same ring to it. It's like skinny has a social, like a societal connotation that's positive. Strong does at least in like circles I run in, but like the idea of just being like, like, I don't know what like out of shape Liz would look like. And like, I think that's inevitable to come across at a certain point. And that like intimidates me. To me, it sounds like you'll have the opportunity when the other shoe drops to find a new thought that resonates with you. So to me, it sounds like you changed your thinking uh, from my body has to look a certain way to a thought of my body is strong. Yeah. Uh, and that's a similar thought change that I had to make too, because I was very stuck in my body has to look a certain way and I have to have no fat on my stomach or yeah. whatever it is, uh, to my body is strong and my body is healthy and it has to be a thought that you believe. Yeah. So it'll be really interesting as you continue on in this journey, what that, you know, next thought or like that new thought that resonates with you. And I still have moments where I catch myself thinking like, Oh, if only I was, you know, that skinny again, or if only I would had like that body. But what I found really helpful is that just having that awareness of that thought and being like, Oh, that's interesting. I'm thinking that I'm going to redirect that too. Actually, that's not true. Yeah. (laughs) Like I have a very like healthy, strong body and what is having that, body I had at the age of 22 actually get me yeah uh, confidence well how how do I cultivate that like right now yeah why do you think talking about athletes transitioning to life post-sport is important um because I think it's like hard I think it's like hard and it's like very like a very small percentage of the population like know what it's like And so it's like, can be isolating. Um, And so I think like, kind of like sharing that experience is like, like even like, you know, talking to you when we were at a job where like our team, you know, there were no other athletes on the team. It was a very heads down team that wasn't necessarily like overly collaborative, like having someone to turn to and be like, this feels like really different and like kind of shitty. Um, Like that is like really useful or you and I could talk about like how do we find a healthy exercise routine or how do we like figure out how to like eat in a way that's not like a linebacker you know like (laughs) um like it just builds community chocolate covered almonds until I can't eat anymore (laughs) yeah so it's like community like I think that's important what are some common myths or things that you think are not well known about transitioning out of a sports career um a myth is I've seen so many of my like athlete like teammates transition and like say I want to have nothing to do with sports again and like the myth there is that you can't find joy in sports still like I think like it is like 
a missed opportunity for someone to think like, I was an athlete once for a very long time and I want nothing to do with it and I need to recreate a whole new life. It's like, no, like you can, like, you don't have to distance yourself from sports, like, like find a new one. Like you, there's a reason you stuck around in that for so long. It's like a total myth to think like that was the problem Mm -hmm. or like that was, or you're burnt out or that was like something, a chapter that's closed. It's like, you know, like find a new chapter, but like moving your body. I think, and some people too, like may need to take a break, um, but they'll find their exercise routine and they'll find the sport that works for them. And it's. What I'm also hearing is that it's a really it's a really hard process that no one really talks about. Yeah. And so it's okay that it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> and it's okay that it can be frustrating. Okay. So now I want to transition as we wrap up to some rapid fire questions. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> okay. Who is an inspirational role model for you? Um, Megan, my girlfriend. Why? I think... Um, Again, like I have a, I'm inclined to think like people who are like, have been on like teams are like super special. I'm obviously biased. Um, but like, as I've been learning these like new, um, like new sports of like swimming and biking, as I've been learning new things at my job, like her humility is off the charts. Like she's the person at like a track workout who's going up to the coach, you know, this is recreational track. Like no one forces her to be there going up to the coach and asking about like running form. Or, like, going up to the swim coach and asking about, like, if her breathing timing is right. Like, her, like, humility, like, in a context where, like, you're an adult. Like, you don't have to ask a coach anything. Like, her willingness to learn. Like, and she does that at work, too. Like, she's constantly asking for feedback. Like, even in her relationship, she's open to feedback. Like, that's inspiring to be, like, so curious about, like, how to get better. I think that's an incredible skill that we learn as athletes. And then it sounds like to be able to... She's done an incredible job applying that to other areas of her life as well. Yeah, very much so. We talked about this a little bit, but in a nutshell, how do you define success in life post-sport? Um, like the ups, roller coaster of like being on a team, like in college was like in high school was amazing. And like, like the highs and lows, the energy like I success is like continuing to find like actual emotions in day to day. Like I don't want to just go through the motions. Like success is like not only just finding joy, but it's like investing in things enough to feel ups and downs. Because as an athlete, there can be so there can be such big ups and such low lows. Yeah. That sometimes I feel like at least in my life post-sport, you're riding somewhere in the middle, which can be a good or a bad thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes it almost feels inconsequential in and almost numbing. Yeah. If you could lead any life and be successful, however you define that, what would that life look like? Um, you know, I'd love to work with you. I'd love to be like a coach of some, in some capacity. Um I think like being a coxswain, like that meant I was coaching and motivating and guiding for a really long time. And I miss using those skills. Um, like the goal of a coxswain is to like find what makes someone tick and help them bring it out and practice it on race day. And like, um, I think like in time, I want to circle back to that. Two more questions. How do you find inspiration? Um, in people. Like, I really gravitate towards people who, 
um, who I click with, who are doing something like with passion or, and like I barnacle to them, like my people, like you and other people, like my current boss and like, you know, Megan, like people that I'm drawn to, I latch onto them because I know like there's a reason I'm drawn to them. Like, and I want to like figure out like how to like get their energy and like use it myself. Thank you. (laughs) Very powerful. Okay. Last question. Any advice to athletes transitioning, transitioning out of their sports careers? Um, like prioritize finding your team. Like if it's, you know, if it means like, like know that that like will be a gap. So look out for it. Like you can build it at work. You can build it at like a book club. You can build it on another sports team, but like know that like, if you don't have that community, like you will be left wanting. Okay, Liz, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Great chatting. So fun. Thank you.